It's time to play the show. The bell has rung, and that big show might be over. But it's time for us to bring wrestling information you can enjoy with the match predictions, analysis, the ups and downs of professional wrestling, all reaction, some beverage drinking to bring you logic on tap with your good brothers. It's time for you to look into the eyes of Howard Blues and the Mark Kidder on Beer, Blues, and BS. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of Beer, Blues, and BS as we talk wrestling. It's a podcast that's got all of the uh, critical analysis skills of a jar of mayonnaise. I'm your host, Howard Blues, here, as always, with my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the only guy who actually watched this pay-per-view, the Mark Kidder. Kidder, how are you doing tonight? Howdy Blues. Hello. Once again, I'm okay. And unlike the mayonnaise, I don't smell because I showered today. And um, we're going to firm everything up with the solidification of this show. So, yes, it will be a schlabberknocker of a show. Stay tuned for the next uh, however long we have to go with this show as we digest the giant 2020 All Elite Wrestling Revolution pay-per-view. As you can see, I also have, did I say 2022? You said 2020. You took us back in time 20. two years. Did I? I thought you I did. Well, <clears throat> well. We could review the one from two years ago, or we could do the one from this year. So we might as well choose this year. I mean, I got my co-host here, Orion, in the back seat. As you can see, he's very enthused. And off camera, over uh, this away, in, in the uh, blue chair you see right here, is Freya. She is also very enthused and taking a nap. So this should be good as... Uh, we do this little review thing here on Revolution 2022. So uh, what's going to happen? Because <laughs> Howie wasn't able to watch the show and he went, eh. Uh, basically, I will talk about the show a little bit here and there. I will give Howard the match. He is going to say, Either this person or that person or this team or that team. We'll try and see if uh, there's perhaps a screwy finish. I'll uh, go through and uh, do a little analysis and we will recap each match. So this show, if you count the all in until it finished, was about five hours long. We will not be taking five hours for this. And this is free for the entirety of the show, not just the first hour. So you are welcome. Let's start it off. Bias in the first match on the show. The buy-in. Oh, oh, he's got something to drink. See, I'm getting ahead of myself already because I'm so excited to get just get this thing going. So since you, Howard Blues, gave me the the bat signal for drinking um what do you have what's on tap <laughs> yeah i know man i mean you're so enthused we skip what's on tap the segment that only probably you know, the first 
<laughs> yeah, well, no, not the first, but no. Sometimes it, what's on tap, at least in the early episodes, got pushed a lot uh, further back. Um, but uh, Kidder, I'm, I'm drinking, because I have a bunch of these still left, a uh, Shiner Candied Pecan. I have had this on the show uh, before. It's good. Not terrible. Wonderful. Definitely won't taste of spruce. <laughs> Not terrible. And uh, yeah. if you're wondering about Very the good. spruce reference, check out... Uh, not this week's episode. Next week's episode. There's some spruce. So, but uh, yeah, I've had this before, Kidder. Kidder, what are you going to have for what's on tap? Just had to <clears throat> had to wait there as you took that enjoyable sip right there out of that shiner. So let's take a look into the old refrigerator. <clears throat> uh, you know what? Since since you're going down to Texas. A little bit early for WrestleMania. I will also join you down south with a straight up regular Shiner Bach. Here we go from Shiner, Texas, and uh, perhaps getting a little bit of focus one of these days. Uh, I've also had this on the show, and I believe you have also had this uh, on the show there, Howie Blues. But no, you haven't had one yet. Okay, well, we're going to change that one of these days. Uh, it combines old-world Bavarian heritage with the ingenuity of American handcraft brewing for a smooth, always satisfying taste. And uh, from Ball Corporation, the aluminium here, anyway. Of course, the Spatzel Brewery there in Shiner, Texas. So, crack that open. Now, as I am about to take my first tasty sip of this here Shiner Bach, the first match... Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. Howard Blues. Who do you choose? Hmm. Now that's a good one. And I, I do have to add, in case fan, any fans are wondering, I have managed, because we were recording this on Monday, because I, the show went so long. Kidder, I have managed to avoid all spoilers. I know nothing about uh, what happened I've stayed away from the news feed, haven't been on Facebook, haven't even opened YouTube. So Very good, because it I, was all over the place for everything. I'm sure it was, and so I have I have done my best to stay away from all of it. Um, with this uh, match, and again, I don't follow AEW as much as you do. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Statlander since she had a title shot fairly recently. And so I, I'm going to go with her. Okay. Very good choice. Uh, as <clears throat> I know, you know, because I sent them to you, but just for, uh, as you said, the audience uh, with the legitimacy of our predictions, because we do predictions for every major wrestling show. Uh, both WWE and uh, AEW. We could go with the others like Impact and Ring of Honor and all those, but we don't have that much time. So we just go WWE and AEW, and I sent my predictions over to Howard before the start of the buy-in. So we're all, we're all good to go. We're all legit on this show. I also picked Chris Statlander on this match. Before we continue on any further on this, just want to also mention that DraftKings is now a prime sponsor of AEW. 
And with that, we always bring in the potential of there being a DraftKings screwy finish of the night. So, be prepared. So, this one, uh, Hirsch took it right to Chris Statlander. Of course, going after Statlander's arm. Uh, She's had some uh, trouble with it lately. Now, about midway through the match, she made a big save when Hirsch made a springboard attempt and uh, missed. Statlander caught Hirsch awkwardly and tried to keep the slip up from being really noticeable, but it was kind of a bad moment for the match. Uh, They continued to battle until they were on the ring apron where Hirsch uh, hit a Hurricane Rana to send both women crashing to the floor in the start of a run of some big moves to build to the finish of the match. Ultimately, Hirsch got the win when she was sent outside the ring. Now, when she was outside the ring, there were some distraction with Statlander and the official. Now, Statlander ended up coming over to Hirsch. Hirsch smashed the uh, ring. It is a turnbuckle hook, so a big piece of metal. Hit her in the face while the ref wasn't looking, which set up Hirsch to hit a moonsault, and then one, two, three, with Layla Hirsch picking up the win over Chris Statlander on that one. That match from start to finish was nine minutes, 50 seconds. So kind of a screwy finish on that one. Not to the screwy level of screwy screwy, but there were shenanigans that resulted in the finish of the match. Your thoughts, Howie Blues. Mm. Well, I mean, it sounds like a, at least a decent opening match. Um, and such, I, not anything that it sounds like I need to go back and, uh, try and see and watch. Um, so I'll, I'll, I won't go looking for this one. Um, and yeah, I would agree even with the, uh, your description. I don't think that this quite is our screwy finish of the night. Um, you'll have to let me know when we hit that one. Um, again, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but, uh, just from this, I have a feeling, uh, it'd be kind of early, Uh, For that, and for those who are wondering why we created the screwy finish of the night, um, one, it's a play on Booker T's uh, quack, quack, shucky, ducky, shucky, ducky, quack, quack, yeah, uh, yeah, moment that he does on the uh, kickoff show. But we started it when DraftKings started doing WWE events because it's uh, you know, you're betting on a scripted uh, sporting event. So in order to try and make it at least interesting, the theory is is that there has to be a couple screwy finishes uh, to make it work. So just explain that a little bit in case this is your first time joining us for a wrestling uh, pay-per-view review. And we are extremely happy for you to join us on the show. And if you want to find out more about the show and what we do on a weekly basis, you can visit beerbluesbs.com for more information. Find us on Facebook, on YouTube, on all of the audio podcast places, and on our merch store. 
And of course, if you would like to join in and buy us one of these beverages, you can do that as well at beerbluesbs.com. Or if you even want to sponsor the show, you can you can do that too. Uh, I just wanted to mention that Statlander had uh, a, like a knee brace or a leg brace of some kind. So I don't know. She's working through an injury. So maybe that kind of pushed her off a little bit to start getting some assistance. There's another match coming up later that uh, the theory was it wasn't going to happen because of a working injury there. But again, uh, we'll talk about that because the match did happen despite all of the back and forth, you could say, about is it happening, is it not happening? Uh, Your thoughts on Hook. Uh, Before we talk about the next match and your pick, Hook versus QT Marshall, your thoughts on Hook and the very limited uh, amount that you've seen him? Um, Yeah, I mean, and I have checked out a few of Hook's matches, and I I haven't seen anything super special about him. Like, I, I know he's got kind of this huge fan base, like, already, like, and, I, and part of that is because he's Taz's son. I get that. And, I mean, he, what I've seen, he's been solid. It's just nothing, like, I, there. there's no, I don't want to say gimmick, because it's not really a gimmick, but there's not enough personality. It doesn't <clears throat> ooze forward. It's not like you can sit there and watch him come into the ring and go, that's what this guy is about, you know, whereas mm-hmm. somebody like if you haven't seen Orange Cassidy before, you just watch his ring entrance and you go, I get it. He's a slacker like you just you get that. <laughs> and Hook just kind of coldly comes down to the ring and it's. Yeah, so I'm not like opposed to him. I just haven't seen much of anything from him and i just you know yeah so Mm -hmm. it's not a knock against him it's just i don't feel like i know him you know i don't i don't feel like i have anything to really kind of get a sense of what's his character going to be like how's he going to react in certain situations what yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think i've discussed it with you a little bit but to me yeah taz's son great Learn from Taz, great. L- knows a lot of technique, at least from my understanding, great. But he comes out and he's about as interesting as the 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 fish before I cooked it last night. Just meh. like oh, I'm here, and you know, is he supposed to be like that? Cold, whatever. Okay, but could show a little bit of uh, something flair care a few things but anyway your pick hook versus qt marshall um i'm gonna go with hook i i think they're gonna continue to promote this young man and and grow him and such i i said i just wish they would put more something into him even even if you're gonna go with the cold-hearted hook you know show him not reacting to something or or doing something that makes him cold-hearted, you know, that you got to give us more than what what we're getting. Yeah. 
But so I, I also choose Hook on this match. This is also on the buy-in. What I enjoyed about the buy-in, even though it was an hour, there were two matches on the show. Was it three? It was two. So uh, the the interesting part about it, like I said, uh, with it being on the pre-show, two matches, it helps to keep things moving along and you get to feature more talent, which WWE should really do instead of having the commentators fumble over each other's words. Just a thought. So with this one, Hook comes out, big cheers, and he's like normal. Um, did some judo at the beginning. Drove a headbutt into QT Marshall. Did a T-bone suplex, a clothesline. Sent Marshall outside the ring. Then Marshall did... Some of the, uh, shall we say, cheater tactics <laughs> to try and get the upper hand. Um, different things like yanking Hook face first into the turnbuckles, clawing at Hook's face. Hook fought back a couple suplexes, even uh, countered the diamond cutter and locked in the red room to get a submission victory there. So my thoughts, good enough to be on the pre-show, a main show match. Eh, it, uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of like the personality. You know, there were some shenanigans in that as well. But again, not the Triple B DraftKings screwy finish of the night. You know, it's, it's interesting hearing you describe this match because it sounds like Hook wrestled face to QT Marshall's heel, which is weird because Hook is part of Team Taz, which is a heel faction. And yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly uh, how I perceived it as well. And I almost think that they don't know what to do with him because people are cheering him. So they want to make him a face, but he's associated by default with team Taz and their heels. So what do you do? Oh, you get stuck in a uh, gimmick. No man's land, I guess you could say. So yeah, you know, it was, and, and- it was okay. It was five minutes. Exactly. So yeah. about what you would expect, right? Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing like they could pull this off if what they were doing was kind of playing him as being very pragmatic and not like caring that the rest of his stable is heel, you know, because that would play into the whole cold hearted hook. You know, if he watches one of the other guys in that uh, stable who shows you how well I know that stable um, because I'm trying to think of um, what is this powerhouse Hobbs, I think is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So if you watch Powerhouse Hobbs beat down like his opponent like backstage or after a match and Hook is there and just doesn't seem to care one way or another, I mean, that would at least you'd go, oh, he's kind of pragmatic and just doesn't care really about his own faction or their actions or I mean it'd be something. It it yeah. Anyway. Enough on uh, enough on <clears throat> the personality-less hook. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, next one, 
was the start of the big show revolution this one house of black versus the death triangle death triangle made up of pack the bastard uh penta oscuro with uh, alex abrahantes and eric redbird or redbird redbeard eric redbeard uh who you may know is eric rowan so uh of course house of black malachi black brody king and buddy matthews your pick on this the start of the big show you know this is one of those when you sent me the card i looked at them and i'm like i like pretty much everybody in this match you know i like penta i like Pac. i like you know malachi black i don't know a lot about brody king but what a little i've seen of him i enjoy that even uh what's was he going by buddy matthews now mm-hmm. yep I, I i mean i i liked him i liked his end of the run in wwe so you know Eric Redbeard, eh, he was the weaker of, you know, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd rather take Brody Lee than Eric Redbeard, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, anyway, I, I, so being that as it may, uh, I guess I take House of Black because I like more of those guys than the other, but a tough one because, as I said, I like so many people in this match. This would be one right. of the ones that, like, I'd love to see. So I'm hoping I hear from you that this was an excellent uh starting match so i enjoyed it uh on top of it uh, my pick was the house of black and just to think about it remember back at wwe with uh, buddy murphy and uh alistair black right those matches that they had fantastic so they're you know on the same team so they're not really fighting each other but lots of talent there so with this match it was really good i enjoyed it lots of big moves as you would expect from this level of talent right i mean you remember the old days when pac was in wwe as well doing all kinds of crazy moves so uh one move penta obscuro rolling through Malachi Black to hit Buddy Matthews with a destroyer and Brody King hitting Eric Redbird with a Death Valley driver. It was pretty sweet. That was pretty close to the beginning of the match. Penta eventually hit Black with a fear factor on the ring apron and rolled him into the ring for the pin, only to realize that Matthews was the legal man allowing Matthews to hit a curb stomp to a near fall and setting up the final stretch of the match. Redbird was ready to go two-on-one against Matthews and Black, was about to chokeslam Black, only to be hit with the Black Mist to the face that allowed King to hit Redbeard with a pile driver for the win. So, uh, I think there were... For the most part, only a couple spots that were, eh. but uh, and to your credit, mostly involving red bird, uh, red beard, Chapers. This is going to be terrible calling him red beard. Eric Rowan, <laughs> 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 uh, 
Him. Wait, wait, wait. So, Eric or Ivar? You never can tell oh, them apart. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Viking Warrior Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Mm. House of Black picks up the victory on that one. Yes, I needed a drink after after that. So your thoughts taking away from the description of that match being 17 minutes, 20 seconds. I, I, again, sounds like an excellent match. Uh, minus Eric Redbeard's uh, contributions. I kind of, I know that he was kind of like a, like they just brought him in fairly recently. So I kind of feel like, Hey, um, we're putting you in this match. Cause we need somebody to take the pin. Um, <laughs> It's kind of how I how I feel because you don't really want to pin uh, Pac or uh, Penta at this point. They're mm -hmm. big enough talent. Uh, fun note, Kidder. Uh, just well, I could do this at the face of the revolution um, one because that's where I heard it um, with that match. But uh, Keith Lee, who is in that match, marks the seventh NXT champion to uh, join. AEW, um, and I bring it up because two of the seven are in this match uh, with Pac and um, uh, Alice, or, uh, Alice or Malachi Black. Hmm. Uh, they were both past champions, but yeah, seven NXT champions have jumped ship to AEW. Hmm. So, Keith Lee well, you know there, Jake, that uh, AEW now has another developmental roster, right? Mm-hmm. They, of course, have Ring of Honor, but they have NXT as well. So thanks very much. Next match on the card, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. This one, I chose Chris Jericho. Um, this is now this is a great kidder. And I, I just wanted to say when you sent me the match card, because I really hadn't been following the matches. I looked at it and I went, oh, God. Because there are so many of these matches that I couldn't just tell you. You know, it's like, ugh. you know, it could go either way. And, uh, you know, which is the sign of a great pay-per-view. Um, I'm going to go Jericho on this one. I think they need to rehab him a little bit. I mean, I understand he's Chris Jericho. And right now he's kind of viewing his time as trying to put more people over. Um, but I don't know that Eddie Kingston needs that over. So I, I'm going to go Jericho on this. So I think we're both going Jericho. Yep. yep. Now, uh, coming into it, uh, the commentary team was very much in the Eddie Kingston needs to win this because Jericho's basically saying that Eddie Kingston can't win the big ones and is, you know, always losing, etc. So. Uh, Eddie Kingston got pretty fired up after a few promos back and forth with Jericho over the past week. Jericho came out first, waiting in the ring, and uh, Eddie Kingston, he his music hit, and he was down in the ring in 10 seconds. Throws his stuff. He's ready to go. Bell rings. Oof, he's across, across the ring, just like that. Grabs Jericho, nasty half and half suplex. It looked like Jericho smashed his neck in half. And I went, ah, because 
it looked like Jericho got absolutely rocked. I mean, he got dropped on his head. So uh, he even tried to roll out of the ring. Eddie Kingston followed him, basically bringing the fight to Jericho over and over. Uh, Jericho ended up fighting back, working uh, on the previously injured eye of Eddie Kingston. So you can see, you know, Eddie Kingston walking around, kind of uh, pirate-eyed a little bit uh, here and there, obviously through the match to help tell that story. So then they're both back in the ring, end up getting over into the corner, and they start a chop battle back and forth. <laughs> whap! Just over and over, and Kingston, whap, 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 just, just going to town on Jericho. Uh, after, after that, through a couple big suplexes, uh, Jericho and Kingston, like I said, back and forth. Jericho also returned the favor by dumping Kingston on his head with a suplex. Uh, then Jericho locked in the walls of Jericho. Crowd went nuts for uh, obvious reasons there. Uh, Kingston managed to grab the rope, getting the rope break on that. Jericho got up, argued with the ref. Kingston hit the spinning back fist on Jericho for a near fall. Jericho came right back, hit Kingston with a code breaker, had his own near fall. Jericho went for the knockout with the back elbow, but instead he got two back fists from Eddie Kingston before Kingston locked in the stretch plum to force the tap. Finally getting a big victory, and uh, yes, your winner of this match, Eddie Kingston, with the one, two, three. A big piece of this is that uh, Chris Jericho uh, was saying, if you win, if you think you can beat me, I will respect you and I will shake your hand. So after the match, Eddie Kingston's yelling at him and trying to get, get him up, and of course going for the handshake, and Chris Jericho comes the... Uh, three quarters of the way and eh, I can't and then out of the ring. So, well, is it going to continue or do they just uh, part their ways there? Uh, That match, uh, another submission, the second one of the show so far was 13 minutes, 40 seconds. Sounds like an excellent match. And, uh, you know, I didn't get the point on that one, but uh, I'm okay with that. It, uh, you know, it, it sounds like, as I said, like Jericho trying to put some of the other guys over, build them up and make bigger talent of them. Um, and it sounds like that's what he did. So, no, it sounds like an excellent match. Mm-hmm. Next on the card for the AEW tag Team Championship. This was a tag team trios match, or not a trios match, a, th- a fatal three way, three way match. Jurassic Express, your current champions against Red Dragon, or if you look at it, it's Red Dragon. Yeah. Uh, and the Young Bucks. Now, going into this, Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, both friends of Adam Cole. Adam Cole brought him in, so uh, Red Dragon, that is. So the big thing, are they going to coexist and take out Jurassic Express, or are they not going to? Uh, I believe in my message to you that 
I believe that this was one of the two p- possibilities for the uh, DraftKings screwy finish of the night match. And uh, on this one, I chose Jurassic Express. Your choice of these three teams. Yeah, um, I think that there's going to be, this is just me kind of predicting for the whole thing. I think there's going to be a bit of a breakdown between Red Dragon and Young Bucks, and it's going to allow Jurassic Express to re- retain the titles. So I'm choosing them as well. Plus, they just got the, the belts not that long ago, so this is their first big defense, and you'd hate to take it off of them in kind of their first pay-per-view defense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, as expected, it was a four-on-two for the first probably third of the match until it really started uh, to break down a little bit, you could say. Uh, both teams ended up, as in Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, uh, would try for a pin over uh, the Jurassic Express and would break up the pin so then that team wouldn't get the three count on it. And then, of course, they're like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So what happened is Luchasaurus took out everybody. He just started destroying everybody. <laughs> It was pretty good, like Luchasaurus normally does. So after the the comeback, both the challenging teams finally began to brawl with, you know, rather than like work together. So they started getting pissy at each other. The match is still kind of going on and then somewhat settled into a regular tornado tag match for between the three teams. So, of course... Everybody's trying to get the you know the pin right or finish the match. So, really, a little bit impressive. Super kicks back and forth, some different moves here and there to try and gain that speed as they're continuing. But what really started it was when Jungle Boy hit a shooting star press on Kyle O'Reilly as he was held by Luchasaurus before Jungle Boy was taken out by a belt shot. Yes, a title belt shot by O'Reilly for a near fall. Now, Jungle Boy continued to just get the big moves by both of the opposing teams, including a BTE trigger that may have ended the match, but O'Reilly not only broke the pin, but set up the title retaining Jurassic Express finisher. So there were some big moments in this back and forth, but it was somewhat awkward with the whole Red Dragon and the Young Bucks and their alliance, not alliance. Is it kind of working together, but not? And then how do you really do that? Because where do you go from here? Do you continue to pit them against each other with Adam Cole in the middle, but Adam Cole is in the title program later in the show, or do they just disqualify each other, right? Well, what turned out some big moves again at the end there, as you said, or heard, I should say the uh, Jurassic express finisher, the one, two, three Jurassic express picks up the victory against uh, red dragon and the young bucks. 
Uh, that match also was 18 minutes, 55 seconds. Yeah. Um, again, sounds like another fun, exciting match with a lot of really big spots. Um, sounds like one I kind of want to go out and maybe try and find and see at some point. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it was pretty good. You know, the, the awkwardness there kind of overshadows some of the, the high points of the match, but you know, they had a lot of sweet moves in the match. So I would recommend that you try and see that if you can. Yeah, no, sounds, sounds like a good one. And like I said, there, there was some screwiness in there, but it wasn't a screwy finish again to our standards of the screwy finish. So uh, next on the card is the face of the revolution ladder match. This one, I think you probably want to watch as well. The contestants in this uh, facing off uh, for a championship uh, match later on include Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Wardlow, and Christian Cage. Now, lots of great contestants. I was partially thinking Christian with his ladder match experience, which they were pushing heavily of. He's been in so many ladder matches. He practically created the ladder match. And then looking at the card, Orange Cassidy would be a great choice because Orange Cassidy is still pretty hot. He could use another title run. Ricky Starks has a title. Powerhouse Hobbs doesn't have a title, so he could win. And then Team Taz would be a little bit more balanced with that. But Keith Lee was just brought on, and Wardlow is working with MJF. All over the place, right? So my pick in this was Keith Lee because of his rather, it was an immediate arrival since it's been two weeks now, but I feel that they want to push him as quickly and as high as they can just to get in WWE's face. I, you know, I, I could see that um, truthfully, when I looked at this, uh, the two names that jumped at me, one was Keith Lee for very much kind of the same, re- you know, put a title on the guy who WWE um, really kind of wasted. Uh, you know, he was there. He had his injury. He came back as Bearcat, Bear which I, I, I took in a, a small section of interview uh, with him and Chris Jericho on the Talk is Jericho podcast. And he talked about that. And basically, Vince McMahon, according to Keith Lee, Vince McMahon never liked the way that Keith Lee spoke because Keith Lee thinks about his words and and speaks with kind of purpose. And uh, McMahon wanted him to be more of the big guy, savage, more grunty, snarly, you know, like we see with a lot of these big guys. And that was hence the, the bear cat gimmick they pulled him aside and said yeah we're gonna do this and keith lee's like that's just so not me i don't know how to portray that and that's part of the the fizzle on on him so just to share that uh insight um but i'm gonna go with wardlow 
And uh, I'm going with that because he is so close to MGF, but they've kind of been kind of been hinting at this like possible break of Wardlow from MJF, possibly a match between them down the line. Like they've kind of played that story-wise. And what better way to do that than for Wardlow to title shot, possibly get the title. And now you have another thing to create tension. So I'll go with Wardlow. But I mean, there's a lot of great talent in this. So it's a hard pick. And I'm probably sure I'm not going to be making a check mark next to my uh, name. But I'll go Wardlow on this. Okay. So as we start the match, there was back and forth as could be expected. The the big men got in there. They were facing off the three of them right in the center of the ring. And uh, what was great is Orange Cassidy came in and stands up to him. And right as all three of them are going to come in on Orange Cassidy, he takes the step back and all three of them bust into each other and then fall out of the ring. Good moment. Uh, Christian was the first person to grab a ladder, so I'm happy about that. What was cool about it is he used it as a weapon right away, went after Keith Lee, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Wardlow, took them all out. Basically, uh, as he's making laps around the ring, uh, he also then, after putting putting the uh, uh, ladder down, hit Hobbs with a reverse DDT off the ladder and little history there with the ladder matches, you know, if you uh, wouldn't uh, think that would happen. So every participant really got moments to shine. Uh, Orange Cassidy, like I said, had a couple of those extra moments later on. Uh, he was at one point, uh, Wardlow and Lee I believe it was the two had the ladder like this and they were both holding on to each end and orange Cassidy ran in and grabbed the end of it. And the two of the outside again, uh, Wardlow and Lee lifted it up. So then he was off the ground. So then he, he did a reverse curl up on top of the ladder and tried to grab the ring cool move and then of course they realized what he was doing and dropped hit or dropped it like that you know so then he fell down and smashed the orange buds and uh, took him out for a little bit uh another uh, orange cassidy moment was uh, when a three or four of them were piled in the center of the ring and he climbed on top of them and was trying to grab it and then of course the pile came apart and uh you know, it, it is what it is. He fell off. And of course, they, you know, didn't didn't get the uh, ring at that point. So uh, aside from that, uh, there's confrontation between Lee Wardlow and Hobbs. So, you know, the three big guys, let's try and pit them against each other. Uh, eventually, the three of them battled up the entrance ramp and onto the stage. Uh, Wardlow and Hobbs each grabbed a the same ladder and they ripped the damn thing in half. <laughs> so that each of them are carrying a half of the ladder down to the ring. And I'm like, what are you doing? You can't use that. But they brought it down to the ring anyway. 
So <clears throat> Wardlow ended up knocking a, two of the other two off the stage and threw a table that just so happened to be set up below. Just always happens to be a table there. So, like I said, they ripped the ladder in half, came down, and uh, they were trying to do what they can. Ricky Starks is up onto the ladder, climbing up there close to the top, and suddenly Danhausen comes into the ring, does the thing, and uh, knocks Ricky Starks off the ladder. Wardlow then hit Starks with a powerbomb off of one ladder onto another (laughs) before uh, climbing up the ring and uh, or climbing up the ladder and then grabbing the ring to win the match. So it was kind of all over the place, but it was still interesting to watch. You know, there was about as good of a story as, as could be told. Uh, didn't come out the way that I expected it to. So that's fine. But uh, Wardlow picking up the win on the face of the revolution ladder match on, uh, on that one. Again, the ripping the ladder in half, just, and then taking it down to the ring. Just ridiculous. That match was 17 minutes, 20 seconds. No, it sounds like a, a good ladder match and a good use of uh, comedic talent in the ladder match. Because I, I I don't know about you, but sometimes with like the, the hardcore matches, they can get to be a little one note. You know, it's kind of violence and spots, but it's always violent spots. And it's it's that. So it sounds like Orange Cassidy was in there basically to just add a comedic element at times to kind of give you a different, um, you know, a palate cleanser to the spots you were getting and, you know, make it more entertaining, you know? So I, it sounds like a good one. I, I kind of said, I missed this one. So mm-hmm. the bad news is that, uh, one of the spots, orange Cassidy, you know, went flying in, off of uh, the ladder and through some tables and whatnot, and looks like he has a shoulder injury and will be out for an undetermined amount of time. So, speedy recovery to you there, OC, and hope you can make it up back this way sometime in the future. <clears throat> Next on the match, and a good thing I still have some beverage left because we have, oh yes, a lot more to go. We are only halfway through this show. Jade Cargill versus Ty Conte for the AEW TBS Championship. That bitch show championship. Um, Not really. I shouldn't say not really a lot of build up with this. There may be a week or two of a build up. Ty Conti wanting to challenge Jade Cargill because Jade Cargill is uh, 27 and 0 in AEW. So there's there's that. Uh, I picked Jade Cargill to retain. Uh, and that's who I'm going to go with too, um, even though I, I like Ty Conti. Um, 
great example of somebody who failed out of NXT, but has had really good success at AEW. Um, but yeah, hearing that this is kind of a short notice and such, I think if you're going to finally defeat uh, Jade, you're going to do it in a match with maybe a little bit more buildup, a little bit more emphasis on it. So I'll go, I'll go Cargill as well. From my understanding, Jade Cargill also has trained slash is trained by Brian Danielson. So in case you didn't know that, uh, of course, Jade came out to the ring with smart Mark Sterling. Jade was also dressed in Mortal Kombat apparel, which character I couldn't tell you, but Howard could. <laughs> so he's going on the Internet right now to look. To see which character. Uh, Ty Conte was somewhat accompanied by Anna Jay to the ring and negative one. Uh, they did not stick around to the uh, or for the most of the match, but uh, well, you'll find out a little bit in a little bit what happened. So Howard is still researching. Uh, she came out as her namesake, Jade. Okay. For Mortal Kombat. I think the the likeness was spot on, if I had to say. It's uh it's a very good likeness of of Jade for Mortal Kombat. So hey, guess what? We have future Howard. Jade Cargill. Jade for Mortal Kombat. There you go. That was a nice full screen touch you had there, Howard, and future Howard. Five out of five. <laughs> So right away, Cargill nearly took out Conte. She almost hit the uh, jaded, which is her finisher there, right after the start of the match, putting Conte immediately on the defensive, right? So Cargill was trash-talking Conte's, quote, karate shit. (laughs) I laughed. Uh, Conte came back with a series of kicks to Jade Cargill's face. Uh, Conti hit a DD Tay or DD tie, I guess. Conti DD tie for a, it was a near fall, a pretty close near fall with Anna J, uh, or after Anna J interfered. This is what I was talking about where Anna J was there and then disappeared, but uh, came running back to the ring to help. The official was distracted and Anna J hit Jade Cargill with the chair. Yes, a cheap shot at the side of the ring. Now, with this one, is it a screwy finish? No, it wasn't. Uh, basically, Ty Conti got a near fall after a pile driver, but Cargill kicked out. Moments later, Cargill bounced back, hit Jaded, and uh, got the... One, two, three on Conti, making her 28 and 0. So this one, it was better than the uh, regular matches that Jade Cargill has because they're usually squash matches. I mean, they're very, very quick, but overall good. This match, six minutes, 50 seconds. Your take. On this, Howard Blues. I, I mean, 
sounds like a okay match. Um, and that's all I got. Um, you know, I, I I don't feel like I need to necessarily go out and check out this one. I think I, I think I got the best part when I looked up the Jade uh, Cargill Mortal Kombat cosplay for this. So I am good. I'm uh, that was that wasn't for me. So let's move on. <laughs> okay. So this was my match of the night. Which match is it? Well, of course, it's the uh, women's match. No, it's CM Punk and Maxwell Jacob Friedman in a dog collar match. This one has been built up for over a month. And uh, CM Punk has been feuding with MJF and his cronies for a little bit longer than that, including the big match in Chicago that you and I watched there, Howard, where MJF got the pin twice over CM Punk by cheating twice. And so that's where this came from. So anything goes and MJF can't escape. I, of course, pick CM Punk. Um, yeah, this is another one that I struggled with, um, because I like punk, but, you know, they've been, they've been protecting MJF, using him as really, I mean, he is a fantastic heel, and so, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you let MJF win, you know, you set him up for future stuff down the road. Uh, you know, if you let Punk win, everybody goes home happy, but, you know, you kind of slow down MJF. Uh, you know what, Kidder? We need, uh, we need a little bit more yeah, to make these predictions interesting. So I'll take MJF, even though I'm a <laughs> fan of Punk. Just to be contradictory, just to put some drama into these predictions, because we've had pretty much the same prediction, up, except for the latter match. Um, So I will, just to be <laughs> ar- you know, uh, argumentative, I will choose MJF. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So this one, first of all, I, I enjoyed this right away. Punk's music hits. The crowd goes nuts. It plays for like five seconds and then gets cut off by MJF's music. And MJF comes out trolling the audience. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> uh, so he's out there. Then countering. Yes, countering. MJF's assholeness. The lights go out. The smoke comes up. AFI's Miseria Canter begins playing. CM Punk comes out. Apparently, which I didn't know, I was just excited because it was Miseria Canter, which I used to play before the period start when the, the teams would come out f- for uh, fighting Sioux hockey games. But again, Punk came out, Misery of playing. 
wearing basketball shorts and a windbreaker, which threw back to his pre-WWE days on the independent scene with the three X's down the side and on the back of his uh, windbreaker. Man, it was it was just great. They hooked up the chains. Everybody was ready to go. And they start rolling. CM Punk had a huge uh, start in this match, especially running over MJF. Uh, there was some, you know, the pulling on the chain and yanking and whatnot. And then MJF was able to get a breakaway, grab the chain and bash it into Punk's face, which opened up the same cut from this past Wednesday when MJF busted him open on dynamite punk was bleeding all over. (laughs) It was dripping all over the place. MJF ran over and grabbed the mic and you could hear, this is the funny part because he's going to get a microphone and the PA or whoever was there was in the process of giving him the mic and MJF, give me the effing mic. Effing, give me an effing mic. And grabs him. Okay. Punk is still laying in the ring, bleeding all over the place. MJF runs over on top of Punk, screaming at Punk, demanding that Punk tell the, cr- the crowd why he quit on them. Why, why would he do that? Why could he do that? Punk wouldn't tell him and basically said, you're a piece of shit, whipped MJF with the chain and attacking MJF's chain uh, hand with the chain as well, uh, which was was pretty nice. Uh, Punk tried to go for the go to sleep. MJF countered it into the salt of the earth arm bar. But because of, again, Punk going after his hand, wrapped the chain around his hand and smashed it against the mat. MJF was not able to do that. So it allowed Punk to roll over, counter that, and lock in the Anaconda Vice to nearly score the submission on the match. Well, folks, it's not over there because the brutality, yes, it continued to amp up. So Punk grabbed MJF and they were grappling. MJF was going to do a pretty sweet move i think a power bomb off the ring onto the floor punk was able to counter grabbed uh mjf and did a pile driver right on the ring apron of course the hardest part of the map so punk was getting a little energy he's in the ring mjf laying out there he got got some energy went over under the ring and pulled out the magical black sack. What is that, folks? Of course, as any wrestling fan would know, it's the thumbtacks. By God, he can't bring in the thumbtacks. Well, MJF did. He brought him into the ring, all over the middle of the ring, and then uh, they were basically, you know, dancing around the thumbtacks, trying not to get on the thumbtacks as kind of a, ooh, who's going to land on the thumbtacks first? Well, MJF hit a superplex, 
sending both of them into the tax. So not too bad. As Punk was still down, MJF was screaming for Wardlow. Now, Wardlow eventually, after five seconds, came down to the ring, now dressed in a very fancy suit. And, of course, with this, MJF is screaming, give me the ring. We've talked about it before. MJF being the three-time... AEW Diamond Ring, uh, Dynamite Diamond Ring winner. So MJF goes, I, I, I don't. With the distraction, Punk grabs MJF, puts him up, go to sleep. Boom. There it is. He's laying down on the ground. Punk is now over at the side of the ring looking at Wardlow because of the previous interactions, as we know, as they have fought. And Wardlow, oh, I found the ring. Here's the ring, and boop, sets it on the mat in the ring, turns around, and walks out. Punk, of course, watching, looking, grabs the ring, puts it on. MJF starting to get up. Boom! Just blasts him. Yes, blasts him. Then MJF uh, ended out, uh, ended up spitting in the face of uh, CM Punk. Uh, this match was 26 minutes and 45 seconds, but CM Punk picks up the one, two, three pinfall on this one. So dog collar match, of course, uh, for those who don't know, the inability to escape the other person that you are tied to and, uh, well, brutality. So there is is that as well. Uh, I think it was a fantastic match. Having not watched many dog collar matches over the history of wrestling, but have seen enough clips to go. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Uh, this was, I would say, a really good match because you're never going. Ah, this is over yet. You're you're sitting there. Well, what are they going to do next? Well, they're they're bleeding all over, and then I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, is Punk going to bleed out? <laughs> like, can somebody stop him from bleeding or something? But nope, it was good. I mean. Almost a half hour match of that. It's good. My match of the night. That one. Almost. To the point of screwy finish. Almost. Your yeah, thoughts? This, this is the uh, the one match that I, I really wanted to see. Uh, just because I, you know, it. Two awesome talents. A good stipulation that they have built up to through story stood a good chance of being a, an excellent, uh, excellent match. And, uh, you know, overall I'm okay with being wrong on that one. Cause, uh, the right guy won. So there, there we go. There we go. Serves me right for being, uh, you know, a contrarian. <clears throat> <laughs> we got to do something on this show to drive ratings. <laughs> 
<clears throat> All right. So we have, let's see, one, two, three, four matches left. Crazy, right? Now, I will say, as we continue to talk about all of them, I have to, because CM Punk is my guy, I, I have to choose that as the match of the night. I mean, half an hour, nearly bleeding for you know over 20 minutes of it. I mean, it was good. Uh, there's a contender coming up for it, and I won't spoil it. We will get there. The next match on the card is the AEW Women's Championship featuring the AEW Women's Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Thunder Rosa. This is the match I was alluding to earlier because apparently Thunder Rosa has been fighting through injury. I believe it's something with her leg, but I'm not 100% certain. They were uh, the various reporting sites were saying between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday of Thunder Rosa wrestling, Thunder Rosa not wrestling. Will she be there Sunday? She's not going to be there Sunday. So, like they said on Rampage that she would be there Sunday. So, she's going to be there Sunday. So, here we go. Uh, my pick on this Dr. Britt Baker DMD to retain the new AEW World Women's Championship. Did you get to see? I suppose you didn't open up my messages, so you didn't get to see the new belt as of this recording. Um, I did open up uh, your messages because I was doing some editing and I needed uh, graphics you had sent me before. So I did see that there was a new belt. I didn't like closely look at it because I didn't want to, again, <laughs> spoilers, man, avoiding mm -hmm. the spoilers. Um, uh, but I'm going to take uh, Dr. Britt Baker on this one. All right. So this one, uh, first of all, it wasn't just, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker. Britt Baker came out with Rebel and Jamie Hayter as usual. And of course, they were circling ringside. Right. So this one <clears throat> really leaned in on Rebel and Jamie Hayter to as uh, what's been going on for the past well months is they've been running interference for Britt Baker. And while the ref is yelling at Britt Baker, they go beat up the opponent and that sort of thing. So they were yelling at each other in the ring. Uh, basically Britt Baker had an answer for everything, right? And she would cut off any of the, uh, attempt at offense that Thunder Rosa would have. Uh, Thunder Rosa got a few moves in, a few punches, and then, well, what happened? She took an air raid crash uh, from the champion and that kind of, you know, fizzled everything out. So basically, the rest of the match was along those same lines, and Britt Baker was really, as they say, operating a step ahead. Because anytime the Thunder Rosa would try to build momentum by doing anything, Britt Baker would cut her off in some form. 
Thunder Rosa was able to hit a pretty crazy tombstone pile driver. That one, I was like, at that point, Rebel jumped on the ring apron to distract the official from making the three count, which one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, what happened? Jamie Hayter tried to help Britt Baker score the cheap victory. She threw the title belt in the ring. Britt Baker hit the stomp, threw it out of the ring, and the ref, oh, and then one, two. Yes, a two count after being struck by the brand new championship belt. So that was the second time in this match that Thunder Rosa had the win stolen from her. She locked Britt Baker up in the straight jacket. And again, with this one, she forced the tap. But guess what? The ref was distracted again by Rebel. So did not see that one either. Now, Thunder Rosa was pissed. So she got out of the ring to take out Rebel and Hater, only to be hit by a stomp as she was sliding back into the ring. Uh, yes, that was by our friend, Dr. Britt Baker. As the stomp was applied, she was out. Britt Baker rolled her up. There's the one, two, three, and Britt Baker defeats Thunder Rosa to retain the title. This one, this one, I would say, was the screwy finish of the night because the whole match was just screwy. My only uh, comment on all of this is uh, they apparently just don't make championship belts like they used to. Apparently. I don't know. Uh, That match uh, also was 17 minutes, 25 seconds. That was probably 10 minutes longer than it needed to be, especially with the outside interference. Just it's, it was dumb. Honestly, kid, when you, you started in on the time, I was just in my head predicting like, ah, it was about what a seven minute match. So (laughs) (laughs) there we go. All right. Now this match, the next match the next contest probably your match of the night john moxley versus brian danielson what is this match all about well brian danielson for weeks has been watching moxley get into the ring and out of the ring and then has been showing up when moxley gets out of the ring and then wants to confront uh, moxley and says hey we should like team together. And Moxley goes, I don't stand beside anybody I haven't bled with first. So that's pretty much where this match came from. I chose John Moxley. Your choice for this one, Howard Blues. Uh, this is another one where I, I don't know. Um, it could go either way in the back up. You got to have your coin closer. <laughs> it's just, just buried under stuff. Uh, 
We'll go. Uh, is is that an official coin? Can you show us both sides of the coin, please? Uh, it it is. It's actually from the board game uh, Kill Doctor Lucky. So here's here's Doctor Lucky. There's the name of the game. So Doctor Lucky is the tails, and uh, the figure is heads. Then. Yep. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll go heads. Brian tails Moxley. Uh, heads. So I guess I got Danielson. All right. I was, I was excited for this match. Uh, I, I like uh, both these guys and the way that John Moxley, has steamrolled a bunch of people and comes out fighting in AEW really appreciative of, uh, what he's been able to create in AEW compared to the, um, gimmick or gimmicks that he had in uh, WWE before he jumped the shark. So Moxley straight at it right away. Of course, uh, Danielson had to counter the brawling with his wrestling skills, right? So with the brawling at first, Danielson was able to really sidetrack the match, get a lot of, wrestling skill in so you try and have some of the mix of the brawling and the wrestling with it so i thought they did really nice to to start out the match and then they had (laughs) a a little bit of uh striking shall we say running the chops again brian danielson's chest about the same color as his trunks as usual (laughs) and uh a few other uh, things like this again, the striking, the running kicks, and some clotheslines back and forth. Moxley was trying to draw in Danielson to more of that brawling style of a match, and and they slowly fell into that, drawing more more of those exchanges, and Moxley starting to get a little bit of an upper hand over that. In fact, they started brawling outside the ring and busted each other open. (laughs) So now Moxley looks like CM Punk from a few matches before just gushing blood, (laughs) just just bright red blood just going. And so I was like, oh, now, now another medical emergency on this. Very interesting. After that. Uh, Brian Danielson was uh, able to get a little bit more wrestling oriented things going and uh, did a back suplex from the top rope match went into an extended uh, portion where both men were landing the big strikes and uh, again uh, a long stretch of the back and forth of course uh, Danielson does his kicks well, both of them were kicking each other back and forth before Moxley uh, got down. And then Danielson came in with the running knee for a near fall. But, yes, Moxley had him in a bulldog choke and almost had the in near fall with that. So then again, switching the sides here, Danielson locked up Moxley in a triangle choke. Landed punches and elbows as Moxley was trapped in that hold. 
Moxley was then able to get the shock pin rolling into the choke to pin Danielson's shoulders to the mat. Now, this one was very interesting because what happened? One, two, three. Moxley gets the win. And Danielson is like, what? How? I, I, I don't know. What happened here? Well, they started. Brian Danielson actually came over to the official and was screaming at him like this and then shoves the official. And then the official's like, you can't do that. <laughs> and shoves Brian Danielson. I'm like, Howard, the ref is in here. Look at this. So then Moxley and Danielson start going after each other. And they're brawling and going after each other. Now, the match itself was only 21 minutes and five seconds. So as both of them are going at it, suddenly the crowd erupts in cheers and, oh, wait a minute, what's this? And the camera whoosh, over to the entrance ramp. It's William F. and Regal walking down to the ring. What? William Regal's on AEW? So he comes in and pushes the two of them apart and Moxley's trying to come in and he pushes them. In fact, he slaps Moxley, slaps some sense literally into him and pushes him back. And then he turns to Danielson, goes over to Danielson, starts talking to him. Danielson's not listening. So he smacks Danielson as well. And then has him basically come together and then jim ross hey, is this is forming of a new tag team right here folks i think it really is <clears throat> so there's that uh what could it be a new tag team a new stable william regal in aew we'll have to see your thoughts how he blues yeah this sounds like another excellent match another one that i'm uh sad i missed out on so i might have to try and track this one down as well but uh it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh moxley and uh danielson i it's not a combo i would have uh foreseen so I, i'm interested they, they got me i, I i'm interested i want to know what, what what happens where's the story go so i like it they got you <laughs> all right we have two more. The next match is a trio tornado tag match. Uh, this one featuring uh, the uh, Hardy family, Andrade Hardy family office, the AHFO. I forgot what they were called for a minute there because I think the name has changed three times since I started watching AEW last year. Uh, the So the AHFO, and that features Andrade, El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy with Jose, the assistant. Uh, then there's the team of uh, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting. All right, so this match had tornado rules. Uh, and what else can I tell you about it before we uh, do the pick? A six-man tornado tag team match. 
<clears throat> it's just a, I don't want to say a regular match, but your standard rules apply there. Yeah, it's kind of a match to palate cleanse before the main event. Um, I'm going to take uh, Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy Vera. That's, uh, that, that is also my pick. Um, basically because Darby Allen is on another hot streak. So there's that. All right. So uh, let's get rolling with this one. The Tornado Rules. This one broke down immediately. <laughs> right? The bell rings and the shit hits the fan. <clears throat> Guevara hit Isaiah Cassidy with the Spanish fly from the crowd at one point. There's two tables on the entrance ramp and this this was crazy. They climbed up on top of part of the entrance fixture, right? So again, like I said, the Spanish fly from up here boof, through the table on the entrance ramp and it looked like it hurt. Uh, in fact, I was sitting there going, is Isaiah Cassidy dead? I mean, somebody should go check on him. Like, because the, the table, the way it broke, it wasn't like it was kind of a 20% and 80% break, like and it it slid because of the plexiglass over the LEDs on the entrance ramp. Kind of bizarre. So there was a lot out of the ring with this one. There were moves all over the place. Uh, in fact, it spilled into the crowd. Matt Hardy took Sting to the uh, entrance area, and then Sting was fighting him off, and they, they were just punching each other. I mean, it was it was chaos. Like, it was all over the place with the match flow. So I can't really give you a, yep, they did this, and then they did this, and then they did this, because there was so much going on at once. Well, there's all these tables that are stacked up, partially for effect, I think, in uh, one of the vomitories on the ground level where people can't get to. But this is where Matt Hardy took Sting up into the crowd overlooking this area and Andrade was fighting mm, who was down there. Oh, he was fighting with fighting with Darby Allen right there. And Darby had thrown a couple moves where Andrade was laid out on to the table. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what's happening here, right? So Sting gets on top of the railing after pushing Matt Hardy out of the way. And from, I don't know, 20 feet up, both through freaking three layers of tables. I'm like, this holy shit. This is the match moment of the night. That was insane. And even, uh, <laughs> even the commentators are saying, well, there's Sting. He's north of 60, and he's still doing that. I'm like, way to call Sting old on the pay-per-view. Good job. You really you really aced that one. So then I'm like, go go check on Sting. Make sure he's still alive. Like, check it out. Uh, apparently, uh, Sting, having said that, is just a... Uh, two weeks from turning 63. So 
the way they said it, he's like OA over 60 and he's 63. I mean, I, I would probably really hurt myself if I did that. So bold move to use thing for, for doing that. So Darby Allen ended up getting back into the ring and uh, Matt Hardy was also in the ring. They ex- had a quick exchange. Hardy was hit by Allen with the scorpion death drop. And then Hardy in the center of the ring waiting for Darby Allen to do the coffin drop. Hardy tried to move a little bit out of the way so that he would miss. But Darby Allen flew three quarters of the way across the ring with that death drop, the coffin drop. And yeah, um, the uh, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting team defeat the AHFO. That balcony dive was absolutely outstanding. It was really something reminiscent of uh, some of the crazier hardcore matches you would see WWE back in the day or even ECW with uh, going into the crowd and doing odd things like that. So your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I, the way I said palate cleanser, I was not expecting a uh, balcony dive off of that. Um, yeah. Wow. I might have to go and see if I can find at least that highlight. Uh, Cause that sounds crazy. So um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go check that one out. I found the uh, crowd. Uh, one of the people that was uh, in, seated right next to where Sting was. So it's like Sting is here, and then whew, he's gone. It's like wow, just just crazy. So there you go. Uh, that match in uh, all of its craziness was only thirteen minutes twenty seconds. <laughs> it felt like it was over like that. It was it was nuts. So. Now, one match left to go and no more beer. So let's hit this one hard. It is an AEW World Championship match with Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole. Yes, the Battle of the Adams. Adam squared. Adam's divided. What's going to happen? I choose Adam to win. Mm. Mm. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be a bit more specific. I'm going to take uh, Page on this one. Uh, I I think he's doing great so far as champion, and uh, hopefully he continues. And that's not to say anything against Adam Cole because I like Adam Cole too. So this is another one of those like ah God pick, but I'll I'll stick with the current champion. Yeah, that that's that's really who who I'm going with. Uh, Hangman Page, partially because. He's been champion since I was at the show and got to see him win that championship belt. So let's keep it going as long as we can, at least until I can get back to an AEW show and then that Adam can lose it to somebody there. Whatever. So uh, an interesting fact with this is the moment Adam Cole came out uh, to the ring, he was on his way out first. Adam Cole normal music, baby. But uh, he came out doing his normal thing like this, but he's wearing a bunch of apparel. And I'm like, 
He wearing Spartan gear. And yes, they zoomed in on him. He's wearing Spartan gear from Halo. He, he was trying to be Master Chief and not trying to be. I'm sure that 343 Industries paid a lot for that sponsorship because it was actually 117 on it, which is Master Chief's designation in Halo and had the matching trunks. So Adam Page went right after Cole. I mean, taking him outside. He was ramming him against the ringside barricade several times. He dro- drove his boot into Cole's head. Uh, Cole's first big comeback was uh, trying to attack Page's neck and arm. Uh, you know, so then he can't do the buckshot lariat. So Page ended up drilling Cole on the apron with a freaking power bomb. Just picked him up. Bam! I was like, oh, that had to hurt. And then dropped Adam Cole, went up to the top rope, did a moonsault on top of him. Then Paige tried to follow that with uh, some more offense with uh, a buckshot. But Cole, well, he'd been back in the ring. He slid out of the ring to safety to get away from that. A few more back and forths. With this match, Page ended up hitting a dead eye to score a near fall. Yes, Cole kicked out of the dead eye. Another near fall came after a tombstone pile driver. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing there, Page. Really going Western on this one. So Page hit a few more big moves, setting up the buckshot once again. And guess what? Your pals Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly coming out to the ring for a distraction. This set up Cole to hit Paige with the Panama Sunrise on the floor. With this one, he hit the Panama Sunrise, and of course, you end up like this on the ground, and he didn't move. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Again, just take it easy on each other's necks, dudes. But Paige was able to kick out at two. Then Cole hit a series of super kicks only to uh, be kind of brushed off in the ring by Paige almost hitting another buckshot lariat. So instead, Cole hit some more super kicks and tried to get a pinfall, but kick out at two. So with this one, as, of course, Red Dragon is still at the ring and trying to interfere. Well, guess what? The Dark Order came in, like all of them. They came running down, and they started fighting and grabbing each other, and then they threw them up the ring and up the ramp, and they were out of there. So, focus on the match again. Page ended up hitting the buckshot lariat on Cole, but Cole got a hand on the ropes right at before three there. So, yes, rope break. It was enough to uh, get a few more super kicks of his own from, yes, your friend Adam Page. Now, this one, like I said, of a few more super kicks there and uh, Page ended up delivering enough to put Cole away and make for this 
fantastic finish of revolution uh lots of false finishes with this one so you didn't know when it would actually end so i mean that was uh, really nice but uh, yes adam page the hangman defeating adam cole for the aew world championship this match was 25 minutes 45 seconds yeah, and sounds ended like an just uh, before eleven Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, uh, sounds like another excellent match. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't have much more to add to it. It sounds like another one that yeah I'll have to try and see sometime because sounds like it was a classic. So yeah, absolutely good stuff, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to share it, check it out one of these days. Uh, together just to get your reaction there so that is your pay-per-view just under what would that be 6 p.m to 11 five hours of pay-per-view goodness and there's people out there bitching that the pay-per-view is too long i'm like look if you pay 50 bucks before well without tax so whatever it ends up being with tax so 60 bucks for a pay-per-view and you want it to be shorter? No, get the hell out of here. What I would say is maybe go the route that WWE has been going. Put it on a Saturday. Then you can start it at 6 and end it at 11 because then people have Sunday to recover before they go to work and struggle through the entire day, which is what I ended up doing today. Um, or start it at five do it an hour earlier end it at 10 yeah um well and it gets hard because you're dealing with time zones and such as well so i mean an eastern time zone it's you know midnight by the time they're wrapping up um you know i don't have a problem with the long uh pay-per-view especially since they don't do pay-per-views all that often you know it's once a quarter so um, but I will say, I do like the Saturday night um, pay-per-views. Um, and mostly because as uh, we've been co- doing more of these pay-per-view coverage, uh, it gives me Sunday to edit. <laughs> so uh, instead of having to do it late at night. Um, well, Kidder, uh, I know for the audience, they can see the scoreboard. So they already know this. But hey, I have been keeping score uh, throughout this. Uh, and pretty close. Uh, a one point difference between first and second place. Uh, wow. Yes. Uh, with nine points, which just beats out my eight points. <laughs> uh, Kidder, you're the winner wow. uh, between the two of us. Thanks. Couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> well, thank, thank the coin flip and uh, a bad decision to be uh, argumentative <laughs> cost me the win because I was in the lead. <laughs> up until those two uh those two matches so uh i blew my ladder match uh lead with some questionable uh late game decisions here but uh Hmm. that's okay it's it's all for shits and giggles anyway so (laughs) absolutely and uh with that i suppose we should wrap this thing up wouldn't you say yeah i mean we have been talking for quite a while not quite five hours but we've been talking for quite a while (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll do that on the next one. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you would, thank you for uh, watching this or listening to it wherever you are checking us out with this episode. Special coverage of All Elite Wrestling's Revolution 2022. And I will say, if you would, please join us at BeerBluesBS.com because you can get the links to all of our shows right there at BeerBluesBS.com, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and, uh, well, that's just to name a couple. We're all over the place. If you would, just check us out. And Orion, look, look, Orion's saying hello. He, he's so excited that, that we're almost done with this. <laughs> uh, well, you're at Beer Blues and BS. Uh, dot com beerbluesbs.com you can check out our merch buy some sweet swag yes even glasses a glass like a pint glass not spectacles like what howard has or if you uh, would like to purchase some shirts that are quality like the cm punk shirts they're not cm punk shirts but they're quality so check them out beerbluesbs.com or buy us a beer and help us continue this show into yet another AEW and uh, perhaps WWE live premium event. And you can get your live premium event gear at beerbluesbs.com. Click on merch. So he's Howard Blues. That's that's Orion right here. He's saying, have a good night. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your viewership and or listenership. I'm the man, the myth, the legend. Mark Kidder, and uh, we will see you on the next episode of Beer, Blues, and BS, where we ask you to always keep your glass at least half full. Reminder that there's free beer tomorrow, and we will catch you on down that dusty Tuscan highway. Catch you at the next one. You have been listening to a UA production of Beer, Blues, and BS. If you enjoyed the show, help others find out about it by rating the show or leaving a review at your podcast listening service of choice. Thanks for listening, and may your glass never be empty.